Chapter Nine of the Mystery of the Sycamore by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Counter Confessions. Before Keefe went away, young Allen had a serious talk with him. I want to ask your advice, Allen said. Shall I confess to that crime? Man alive, what are you talking about? Keefe cried, astounded at the suggestion. Talking sense, Jeffrey stoutly asserted. I don't believe any one of those three did it. They're saying they did to shield one another. And so, and so you want to get into the game. Keefe smiled at him. You're very young, my boy, to think such crude methods would get over, even with such muffs as those two booby sluice. No, Alan, don't add another perjury that can be of no possible use. You didn't do the killing, did you? Of course not, but neither did the Wheelers. No one of them? Certainly not. Who did then? I don't know, but you yourself insisted on some marauder. Only to get suspicion away from the family but there's no use of finding any evidence of an outside job. You see, I've made some inquiries myself, and the servants' tales make it pretty sure that no intruder could have been here. So the Wheelers are the only suspects left. And am I not as good for a suspect as they are? If I make due confession? No, Alan, you're not. You're in love with Miss Maida. I'm engaged to her. All right, don't you see, then, the absurdity of expecting anyone to believe that you, a decent law-abiding young citizen, would commit a murder which would positively render impossible a marriage with the girl you love? I didn't think of that. Of course you didn't. But that would make it unlikely that those detectives would believe your tale for a moment. No, it's ridiculous for any more people to confess to this murder. Three avowed criminals are quite enough for the crime. But none of them really did it. How you harp on that string. Now look here, Alan. I'm as loath to believe it as you are, but we must face facts. Those three people had motive and opportunity. Moreover, they're a most united family, and if any one thought either of the other two guilty, that one is quite capable of falsely avowing the crime. Yes, I see that, Alan spoke impatiently. What I want to know is what we're going to do about it. There I can't advise you. I have to get away now, but as I said, I'll return. I've more than a little taste for investigation myself. And when I come back, I've no doubt I can help. But, Keefe, I don't want you to help, to investigate, if it's going to prove anything on any of the Wheelers. But you believe them innocent. Yes, but crime has been fastened on the innocent. Look here, Alan, do you believe them innocent, but you fear your belief is a mistaken one? God help me. I do fear that, Keefe. Oh, what can we do? It's a bad lookout. All I can say now is to preserve a non-committal demeanor and keep things stationary as much as you can. Maybe when I come back we can, 
well at least muddle things so complicate the evidence so that it won't indicate be careful now you know what compounding a felony means don't you oh alan you're so young and impulsive and the wheelers are so emotional and indiscreet i wonder what will happen before i get back someone ought to be in charge here yes some good lawyer or some level-headed person who would hold back those fool detectives and look out for the interests of the wheelers i wish you could stay i wish so too but i'll do all i can to return quickly and mr wheeler ought to be able to look after his own affairs i know he ought to but he isn't also i ought to but i'm not yes you are geoffrey cried maida who had happened along in time to hear the young man's depreciation of himself hello maida he turned to her what did you mean by making up that string of falsehoods don't talk about it jeff and the girl's face went white if you do i shall go mad i don't wonder miss wheeler said keefe sympathetically now as i've told alan i'm coming back as soon as i can make it and until i do won't you try to hold off those men don't let them pound you and your parents into admissions better left unmade i'm not asking you any questions i've no right to but i beg of you to keep your own counsel if you are shielding someone say as little as possible if you are guilty yourself say nothing guilty herself you've no right to say such a thing alan cried out of course i have keefe returned when i heard miss wheeler avow the crime but i must go now here's the car good-bye both of you and miss wheeler if i may advise don't confide too much in anybody the last words were spoken in an aside and if alan heard them he gave no sign he bade keefe good-bye with a preoccupied air and as others joined them then he waited till the car started and then took maida's arm and led her away toward the garden miss lane of course went with keefe and as the girls parted maida had suddenly felt a sense of loneliness i liked genevieve a lot she said to alan as they walked away i didn't he returned oh jeff you are so quick to take prejudices against people i don't mean i'm specially fond of genevieve but she was kind to me and now i do seem so alone alone maida when you have your parents and me what do you mean i can't tell you exactly but i do seem to want someone someone with wide experience and educated judgment to whom i can go for advice won't i do dear you're kind enough and loving enough but jeff you don't know things i mean you haven't had experience in in criminal cases come on maida let's have it out what about this criminal case of ours for it's mine as much as it's yours oh no it isn't jeff you've nothing to do with it i must bear my burden alone and i must ask you to release me from our engagement which i will never do how absurd now maida mine if you won't speak out i must i know perfectly well you never killed mr appleby i know too 
that you saw either your father or mother kill him and you're trying to shield the criminal very right too except that you mustn't keep the truth from me how can i help you dear unless i know what you're doing or trying to do so tell me the truth now i can't tell you more than i have jeff maida spoke with a long-drawn sigh you must believe me and as a a murderer i never of course shall marry maida you're a transparent little prevaricator don't think i don't realize the awful situation for i do but i can't i won't let you sacrifice yourself for either of your parents i don't ask you which one it was in fact i'd rather you wouldn't tell me but i do ask you to believe that i know it wasn't you now drop that foolishness jeffrey and maida spoke very solemnly don't you believe that i could kill a man if he was so cruel so dangerous to my father my dear father that i couldn't stand it another minute don't you believe i'd be capable of killing him we've spoken of that before maida and i think i said i believed you would be capable in a moment of sudden intense anger and excitement well then why do you doubt my word i told the detectives i tell you that the moment came i saw my father under stress of terrible anger in immediate desperate danger from samuel appleby i i shot to kill the girl broke down and geoffrey took the slender quivering form in his arms all right sweetheart he whispered don't say another word i understand i don't blame you how could you think i would i just want to help you how can i best do that but maida could not tell him her tears once started came in torrents her whole frame shook with the intensity of her sobs and unable to control herself at all she ran from him into the house and up to her own room what did you find out burden asked coming out from behind a nearby clump of shrubbery you sneak you cad allen cried but the detective stopped him now look here mr allen he said we're here to do our duty said duty being to discover the perpetrator of a pretty awful crime you may be so minded as to let the murderer go scot-free even help him or her to make a getaway but i can't indulge in any such philanthropic scheme mr appleby's been foully murdered and it's up to the law to find out the killer and see justice done my job is not a pleasant one but i've got to see it through and that's all there is about that now this case is what we call open and shut the murderer is sure and positively one of the three people said three people being known to us so i've just got to use all my powers to discover which of the three i'm really after and when i find that out then make my arrest but i've no desire to nab the wrong one which one do you think it is demanded allen angrily i've got no right nor reason to think it's either one i've got to find out for sure not just think it 
so i ask you what you learned just now from miss wheeler and why did she run into the house weeping like a willow tree i found out nothing that would throw any light on your quest and she wept because her nerves are strained to the breaking point with worry and exhaustion and i don't wonder the detective spoke sympathetically but all the same i'm obliged to keep on investigating and i must ask you what she said to you just now allan thought over the conversation he had had with maida then he said i am telling the truth when i say there was no word said between us that would be of any real use to you miss wheeler is my fiance and i tried to comfort her and also to assure her anew of my faithfulness and devotion in her trouble and what did she say without remembering her words exactly i think i can state that she said nothing more than to reiterate that she had killed mr appleby but i want to state also that i believe she said it as she said it to you to shield someone else her parents or one of them that is the reasonable supposition but i do not accuse either of the elder wheelers i still suspect an intruder from outside of course you do anybody in your position would but there was none such it was one of the three wheelers and i'll proceed to find out which one just how do you propose to find out well the one that did it is very likely to give it away it's mighty difficult to be on your guard every minute and with one guilty and two shielding and all three knowing which is which as i've no doubt they do why it's a cinch that one of the three breaks down through sheer over-carefulness pretty soon that's true enough allan agreed ruefully is that your only plan yes except to look up the weapon it's a great help always to find the revolver hoping to find the criminal's initials on it well no they don't mark firearms in real life as they do in story-books but to find the weapon gives a lot of evidence as to where it was fired from and what was done with it afterward and to whom it belongs not that the owner is always the murderer more often the reverse is true but the weapon we want and we want pretty badly by the way i'm told that young appleby is out of the running for governor now that his father isn't here to help him through more i take it because of his grief for his father's untimely end be that as it may he'll withdraw his name from the candidates who told you i heard mr keefe telling miss lane you hear a lot burden i do mr allen it's my business to do so now here's another thing about the garage fire well what about it it was a mighty mysterious fire that's all nobody knows how it started or where they must know where not exactly it seemed to start in the vicinity of mr appleby's own car but there was nothing inflammable around that part of the garage well what does that prove or indicate anything prejudicial to the wheelers not so far as i can see only it's queer that's all perhaps mr appleby kept tobacco and matches in his car perhaps so 
Anyway, that's where the fire originated, and also about where it stopped. They soon put it out. Glad they did. I can't see that the fire has any bearing whatever on the murder. Neither can I, Mr. Allen. But Hallen now, he thinks it has. Just how? I can't say. Hallen doesn't know himself, but he says there's a connection. There may be, but unless it's a connection that will free the Wheelers from suspicion, it doesn't interest me. Allen left the detective, who made no effort to detain him, and went to the den for a talk with Mr. Wheeler. But that gentleman, locked in the room, declared through the closed door that he would see nobody. Sorry, Jeff, he said in a kindly tone, but you must excuse me at present. Give me the day to myself. I'll see you late this afternoon. As it was already noon, Allen made no further attempt at an interview and went in search of Mrs. Wheeler. It seemed to him he must talk to some of the family, and he hadn't the heart to disturb Maida, who might be resting. Mrs. Wheeler's maid said that her mistress would see him in a few minutes, and it was only a few minutes later that the lady came downstairs and greeted Allen, who awaited her in the living room. "'What are we going to do?' she exclaimed to him. "'Do help us, Jeff. Did I do right?' "'In lying to save someone you love? Yes, I suppose so.' But Sarah Wheeler had very acute hearing. Even as they spoke, she heard a slight movement on the porch outside, and realized at once that a detective was listening to her every word. Allen couldn't be sure whether this changed her mental attitude or whether she continued as she had meant to when she began. But she said, "'Oh, I don't mean that. I mean, did I do right to confess my crime at once?' You know they will discover it sooner or later, and I thought it would save time and trouble for me to own up immediately. Dear Mrs. Wheeler, don't quibble with me. I know you didn't do it. Oh, yes, I did, Jeff. Who else could it have been? And, too, you know about the bugler, don't you? Yes. Well, that's what made me do it. You see, I thought if a death occurred that it would be the death the bugler was heralding. And if it wasn't Mr. Appleby, it might have been Dan himself. She leaned forward as she spoke. Her voice dropped to a mere whisper, and her large eyes took on a glassy stare. While her white face was drawn and set with an agonized expression as of a dreadful memory. And you killed Appleby for that reason? cried Alan. Oh, no. I killed him because because her mind seemed to wander oh yes she resumed because he was a menace to dan to my husband for the first time Allen began to doubt her sanity her eyes were wild her fingers nervously interlaced and her speech was jerky and stammering a menace how he asked softly in different ways Mrs. Wheeler returned in a low voice that the listener outside could scarcely hear. Through me, because of something he knew. Through Maida, because of, of something he wanted. And of course through Dan himself, because of that old conditional pardon. 
"'What do you mean about Maida?' Alan caught at the thing that most impressed him. "'Did old Appleby want to marry Maida?' "'Yes, he did. "'Of course, neither her father nor I would hear of such a thing. "'But Mr. Appleby was an insistent man, "'insistent and inexorable, "'and he wanted Maida. "'Mother dear, I want you to come away now.' and Maida came into the room. Come, you have talked too long. It does no good to you or to anyone else. Did you call her down, Geoffrey? Yes, and Alan deeply regretted his act. But I want to talk to somebody, Maida. Will you take your mother away and return? Yes, I will, and the girl left the room, guiding the slow footsteps of her mother. When she came back, Alan took her out under the old sycamore. Now, Maida, he said gently, the truth. No matter what it is, you must tell me. We are here alone. That eavesdropping detective can't overhear us. And you must tell me whom you are shielding and the full details for the crime. I can't tell you all the details, Jeff, the girl returned. They include a secret that is not mine to divulge. You can divulge anything in a crisis like this, Maida. No, I cannot. Before he, before he died, Mr. Appleby told me something that I will never tell unless my conscience makes me do so. Isn't it a matter of conscience already? I don't know, Jeff. Truly, I can't tell. But much as I am bound by my principles of right, and you know, dear, I am conscientious, I would willingly throw them all to the winds if they interfered with my parents' happiness, well-being, or safety. Let me get this straight, Maida. You would stifle your conscience, would act directly against its dictates for the sake of your parents? Yes, Geoffrey, right or wrong, that's what I should do. Who am I that I should judge you, dear? I know well your lifelong submission to your conscience, even when your inclinations were strong the other way. Now, if you have thrown over principle, honor, conscience, and right for what you consider a stronger motive, I can only accept your decision. But I wish you would confide in me more fully. Do you mean in regard to Mr. Appleby? Of course I mean in regard to Mr. Appleby, and I'm going to ask you, Jeff, to believe what I tell you. Of course I'll do that, Maida. No, you won't want to, but I ask you to believe it implicitly and to act accordingly. Do you promise me this? The girl's face was turned to his. Her great sorrowful eyes were full of dumb agony and showed unshed tears but her voice was clear and strong as one whose purpose was unshakable. Yes, dear, and Geoffrey took her hands in his and looked deep into her eyes, whose blank despair haunted him long after. Yes, Maida, I promise. Well, then, I killed Mr. Appleby, and you must do whatever you think best for us all. What shall we do first, Geoffrey? and with the clutch of an icy dread at his heart, Alan replied brokenly. I don't know, Maida, darling, 
but I will find out what is best, and we will do it. End of chapter 9